I was really defined by my job. I spent a lot of time trying to think more about like, what are my other interests outside of my job and how can I feel validated without my work being the thing that gives me that validation. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to describe leaving her marketing role at Google to become the marketing director for a nonprofit organization in Michigan. We'll discuss the trade-offs of going from the for-profit to nonprofit world and the impact salary and benefits can have on your overall career satisfaction. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll talk about how my sources of validation have evolved over time. Today, I'm speaking with Colby Chilcote, who's the marketing director at Huron Pines, a nonprofit organization that protects the health of the Great Lakes through the conservation and restoration of Michigan's natural resources. Colby started her career at Google, where she worked for a decade in marketing and online advertising, helping small businesses and nonprofits build an online presence. Colby holds a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Notre Dame, and she now lives and works in northern Michigan, where she enjoys exploring the woods and freshwater with her her husband and two sons. Now, I first heard about Colby in a recent Fast Company article about the surprising truths of taking a pay cut to find more meaningful work. And we're going to get into Colby's honest, candid perspectives on what it's really like to leave a big name company behind and let go of all the benefits and corporate perks that come with that. Most importantly, we're going to discuss why it's so important to just trust yourself no matter what others think or say when it comes to your career. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 63. Colby spoke with me from Grayling, Michigan. Hello, Colby, and welcome to Career Relaunch. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. So I would like to talk with you about a few different topics today, including your decision to move on from a very reputable company, moving from the for-profit to nonprofit world, and also want to touch on how much salary fuels satisfaction. But I was hoping you could just start us off by sharing a snapshot of what's keeping you busy right now in your career and your life. Our annual report just hit mailboxes this week. So that's been a huge project that just wrapped up. So now I am deep in event planning and getting things ready to open our first nature preserve this June and updating a bunch of communication materials ahead of our field season, which will start in the spring and the summer. And for those people who are not familiar with your organization, which is called Huron Pines, can you just give a snapshot of exactly what Huron Pines does and your role there? So Huron Pines is an environmental conservation nonprofit. We're based in Northeast Michigan. So um, protecting the Great Lakes is a huge part of what we do. And we do that through a lot of on the ground restoration initiatives, like connecting rivers by removing dams, getting rid of invasive species, supporting native habitat, all of those things. And then another huge part of our work is connecting people to nature. So through environmental education and outreach events, those kinds of things. So essentially, the more that we can get people out loving nature, the more that we can uh, hopefully protect 
all the natural resources that we have here and then protect the, the long-term sustainability of the Great Lakes. Now, I know you haven't always been the marketing director there at Huron Pines, and I was hoping we could go back in time a little bit, Colby, and go all the way back to the roughly 10-year chapter of your career at Google in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can you tell us about what you were doing at Google during those years? You don't have to go through all the details of every single role you had there, maybe just give a glimpse into what you were doing in your most recent roles there, and then we can move forward from there. Yeah. So I had basically kind of two chapters of jobs at Google. So I started there right out of grad school. I was a liberal arts person. So I was really happy to get a job wherever anyone would take me. I mean, I was very, very lucky that Google was who took me. But I started doing online advertising sales. um, And I did that for about four years. And then I transitioned into marketing for the next five years or so. I worked in small business marketing, specifically trying to help small businesses get an online presence. So like thinking about kind of local mom and pop shop kind of businesses, getting them to be comfortable with using the internet to help grow their businesses. That was what I spent a lot of my marketing focus on. And aside from your functional marketing role there and your projects, can you paint a quick picture of what it's really like to work at one of Google's offices? Because I know that there is always this intrigue about what it's like to work at Google. And we've had people on the show before who have worked at the head office, but not somebody who's worked at a satellite office. It was a pretty nice gig. The office moved um, after I had been there for probably about eight years. Um, But we were for a long time right in the middle of downtown Ann Arbor, which was really great. And then we moved to a a bigger campus basically after we grew. It's an amazing, you know, just the facility to work in is great. Basically all the things that you hear about are true. Like we, all the food is free. We had a, a chef and a cafeteria. There was a barista. There was a massage therapist on site. Like all of those things exist and they're great perks. Uh-huh. Was there anything that surprised you most about working there? You start and it's like so unbelievable that that's a work environment. And then you, over time, get really used to it. And then you sort of start to take for granted all the things that are uh, great about it. Now that I don't have access to all of that, I appreciate that and realize like how crazy it was that some of those trainings and, you know, we would have there's an authors at Google program where people would just come in that had written books and kind of talk about them. So like just some of those kinds of things, like the fact that that was happening on a daily basis now is like a little more mind blowing than it was when I was there. Cause I think I, like I said, you just sort of get used to all the, like the crazy stuff that goes on there. And before we talk about your transition out of Google, was there anything in particular that you found challenging about working at a place like Google, in spite of the fact that it sounds like there were such amazing perks and it sounds like a wonderful environment to work in? It kind of is a double-edged sword because what what is great about it is that the people that work there are all really great and really self-motivated. And it's part of like what makes it work and makes it successful. But then on the other side, there's kind of this culture of overachievement and continued progress, which can be really good. But there's also, I think it it kind of facilitates burnout a little bit. And it also kind of has you like constantly questioning whether you're doing enough 
or whether you know your project is big enough to keep moving you forward in your career trajectory. So it can be a really stressful place to work also. And I think the kind of mix of that stress with all the perks that come with it can be really hard to wrap your mind around like both of those things. So you start to kind of question what you're doing in your everyday job and you're not sure if you love it, but then you look at all these great things that you have offered to you and you think like, why am I questioning this job? Because there's so many great things here. Of course, I should be happy. So I think like all of that kind of mental stuff can make it a difficult place to work. Well, that's a nice segue, Colby, into what I was hoping to spend a little bit of time talking with you about now, which is your transition. Specifically, I know you eventually decided to move on from Google. Could you take me back to the moment you made your decision to leave Google? And I'd be interested in hearing what was going on for you exactly at that time, both at work and also personally. Two huge life events happened that really set everything in motion. The first was that my lifelong best friend passed away from cancer. And then about two weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant with my first child. So there was a lot of personal change and um, a lot of kind of emotional upheaval going on that made me really start to think about what it was that was important to me, um, what I wanted to be spending my time on, what I wanted to see my life become. And I think all of that was the catalyst for what ended up being kind of a slow process of change that got me to where I am now, but certainly made me kind of question everything in a way that felt like, okay, I'm ready to stop wasting time on things that I I don't want to be doing. And I'm ready to start actually making changes to get where I want to be. Just taking those one at a time. So you mentioned your best friend passing away. Was there anything in particular that you came to the realization of that you feel you really can't come to unless you've had something that tragic happen in your life? One of the things that came along with it is it was unexpected, but then also kind of a slow process of going through hospice and and all these other things. So while that was happening, I was still working. And at that point, I was happy with the project that I was working on. I felt challenged in my job. So I was in a good place in my job, but I still... I had a little bit of resentment toward it because I kept thinking like, all of this stuff is happening to me personally. And yet this job still goes on, whether I'm there or not, or whether you know these other things that matter more are happening or not. And I think that that subtle shift is what changed everything else. Because I think then when I started to be unhappy with my job, I just kept thinking, I'm spending so many hours of my week on this thing that is my work. And if this isn't something I want to be doing, I can't justify like putting the time into this. I think you can come to that conclusion from a lot of different directions, but I think it certainly helped me like see it more clearly because just the idea of like not wanting to waste time was driven home so much, you know, more severely than maybe it would be for somebody else. But I don't think that that's necessary to come to those conclusions. And then how did becoming pregnant start to feed into what you wanted more of or less of in your career at that moment? I realized that I was really defined by my job. And I was a little bit worried that 
because Google has an incredible maternity leave, which is great. So you have like six months off. And I remember thinking, I don't know like what I'm going to do with myself. Like I get it. I'm going to have a baby and I don't know what that's like because I haven't had one before. But like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel without having a job to kind of justify my energy and time through. And so in anticipation of knowing that that was coming, I spent a lot of time trying to like think more about what are my other interests outside of my job and like how can I feel validated without my work being the thing that gives me that validation. So that was part of, I think, what allowed me to like slowly kind of step away from being so enmeshed in what I had been doing at Google for so long. And then the other piece of it was that, you know, my husband and I had a great setup. We, you know, we liked our house. We had a lot of friends, like we were in a great place, but we still both grew up in more rural places. We grew up where we could be outside on our own and play in the woods. And, and we, we did start to talk about like, you know, is this where we want to be long-term? Do we want to be in a metropolitan area? Is this where we want to raise kids? So those things definitely came together to start us thinking about making bigger life changes. And how did you ultimately come to your decision to leave Google and then move out to Grayling, Michigan? It was kind of slow in that from the time that you know I first found out I was pregnant to the time we moved here, um, it was about two years. And I think things really shifted after I came back to work from that first maternity leave. I wasn't very happy in the role that I was in. There was like a honeymoon period of like, oh, this is great. I'm excited to be back. I'm not at home with a baby, which is great. <laughs> it's yeah, like a so nice relief. I can have yeah. a coffee. Um, but <laughs> I just, I wasn't really happy in the role that I was in. I'd been on the same team working with people that I really liked, but the actual project that we were working on, we'd been working on for almost four years or something. And, and it was very clear that like, I had kind of run out of my ability to keep growing and that what was it going to be expected of me was that I could that I did keep growing in order to, you know, have good performance reviews and like get promoted and all that stuff, but I couldn't really see like a path where I was going to have enough responsibility. And I was pretty miserable, but I didn't realize it. Like even, you know, my husband was the one who would say to me like, "You're not very happy." When I would come home from work and I would say, "No, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's not so bad." So it probably took 6 or 9 months for me to really wrap my own head around how unhappy I was and that something needed to change. So I eventually came to the conclusion that like, regardless of what happened with the rest of our life, I was going to have to find a different job. And that was the first like huge step because we had talked about moving, we had talked about other things, but it was always like, well, I don't know if I could leave Google. It just basically got to the point where like, there weren't going to be opportunities where I was like in that Ann Arbor office and I couldn't keep going the way that I was going. As soon as I like sort of mentally flipped that switch, a bunch of other opportunities came up. And then I feel like from there, everything happened, like kind of a set of dominoes fell. And probably within a year from that point, we had moved and I had started a new job. It sounds like, okay, you ultimately decided to move and leave Google. At the same time, I'm imagining that it's probably hard to walk away from such a reputable company that also offers so many benefits. What was the hardest part for you about leaving a place like Google behind? The idea of it was the hardest. I think once I finally 
made the decision. It wasn't as hard, but like getting to that point was, was really difficult because we used to joke about it. We've everybody that works at Google talks about the golden handcuffs Uh (laughs) and how, (laughs) you know, like you literally, at least when I was working there, like Google was voted the best place to work for many years while I worked there. It's like a weird mental game kind of where you feel like if I don't love this job and it's literally the best place you can work, how am I going to find another job that I really love? I felt like I had to do something super different or something that was so much better in order to justify leaving. And I just for so long, like couldn't put my finger on what that next thing would be or like what possibly would be better. I mean, that was the hardest part, I think, is just coming to terms with the fact that just because everybody else on the outside may have thought that it was the perfect place to be didn't mean that it was the perfect place for me to be. Just shifting gears, Colby, to your time then when you moved on to Huron Pines and also when you decided to move from Ann Arbor to Grayling, what was that transition like for you? And I'm specifically interested in some of the things you realized that you gave up and how you thought through that, which I know you alluded to earlier, letting go of some of those those great benefits at a place like Google. I mean, my husband and I had, you know, hundreds of discussions over the course of a couple of years kind of about whether or not we could really make this move and and whether or not it was what we wanted to do. And I think because we planned really well and we talked through every like worst case scenario, we felt pretty comfortable with our decision like before we even fully made it. So like, for example, we lived in a city where you could walk to like a gourmet grocery store. It was a few blocks from our house and, you know, there were places to eat and things to do. And, and we would talk about like, all these things are great, but is this important to us or is it more important that we have a yard and that our kids can go to the lake and that we can do things outside? And I think at some point we, we like sat down and made a list of like, what are the five things that we would want to, where would we want to live? What would we want to do if we won the lottery? And that was also one of the like pieces that helped put some of this stuff into play because we realized that what we wanted wasn't actually like that unobtainable. And so one of the things was like, we really wanted to live on the water. And we never would have been able to do that in like a metro area because it's just way too expensive. So we started thinking like, how do we make these things happen? And are they feasible for us? It didn't seem like we were making a big sacrifice because we were sort of trading one life for another is more what it felt like. And we decided that we kind of liked the option behind door number two better. (laughs) We were like very committed to having a different kind of life. That life was more built around natural resources and it was built around being closer to our families and having kids and jobs that were we felt like we were making more of an impact like those were all things that were important to us and so when things started to fall into place that we could make those things happen leaving behind like the money and the perks and the restaurants and the you know all that kind of stuff it just didn't feel like we were making a big sacrifice now from your career journey colby i'd be really interested in getting your honest non-candy-coated perspectives on a few things because you just mentioned money. So I was wondering, can we just talk for a moment about salary? Because I know you had a change to your salary and I'm just wondering if you could explain what impact 
if any, that had on both your life and also your overall satisfaction? So on the one hand, like, yes, I had a significant pay cut to switch jobs. But on the other hand, I think about it a lot. And I mean, I don't, maybe this is not good to say, but I think, you know, that Google salary was also pretty inflated. I mean, from where I started to where I ended up, like I was promoted a couple of times at some point through the course of those 10 years, Google decided to give every employee a 10% pay bump, uh, like a lot of weird <laughs> things like that uh-huh. happened. So when I left, I think that the salary was inflated for the Midwest for sure. Like I worked for a company that was a tech company based in California and I know they pay different amounts based on where your office is, but still like, I think even in the Ann Arbor, Detroit area, I would have probably been hard pressed to find a job where I was making an equivalent salary. So I think I kind of let go of that idea of salary equivalency when I decided I don't want to be at Google anymore. Like that was sort of one of the first things that had to go out the window. Like that, that wasn't really like, I figured I wasn't going to find it. And I also figured if I could let that piece go, I'd probably, it'd be a lot easier for me to find something else. I also had always had some interest in nonprofit work. I did some technology training for nonprofits with Google tools for a couple years when I was at Google. So I had always had in the back of my mind that a nonprofit transition like might be a good fit for me. When we started talking about making the move and changing career paths, I had also thought it was likely that not only would I be like moving to Northern Michigan where the salaries in general were just going to be lower because the cost of living was lower, but that I might be going into an industry that was just going to in general, have lower salaries. So we just, we did a lot of planning for it. I mean, like we made sure that we paid off student loans, that we didn't have car payments, like anything that we could kind of get rid of to get rid of overhead so that we could still have a comfortable life without having to worry about like how much we were bringing in. That was kind of how we handled it. And then the salary thing became less of an issue. So it sounds like you made some lifestyle trade-offs that allowed you to then tolerate the salary change. Yeah. What about benefits? Like some listeners out there maybe have some cushy benefits and perks in their current roles as you did at Google. And I guess I just want to ask, do you miss the benefits at all? And if so, what do you miss? And if not, why do you not miss them? Yeah, that is like a piece that I definitely miss. And I think in some cases, it was like a bit of ignorance is bliss because Google was my first real job. So it was the first time I had benefits. So I also didn't realize how good they were. (laughs) By the time we left right after I had my second son, and that was also planned, like I decided, you know, I'm going to have... I want to have at least two kids and I want to have them while I still work at Google because I want to be able to have like all the healthcare and all the maternity leave and everything built in. So that was planned. But on the other hand, because we just had like two new small children, I didn't really anticipate like the sort of healthcare needs of having kids (laughs) Um, because that was sort of like new to our whole like life experience. And I think that maybe if we had waited longer, I might have been really nervous about giving up that benefit piece, knowing that 
it wasn't just like about my husband and I staying healthy and what, you know, that you just like, don't know what's going to happen with kids and what they're going to need. So luckily I was a little, we were a little bit like, yeah, it'll be fine. (laughs) Um, We definitely talked about it and we were worried about it, but I think again, we were just like, well, this is how much we anticipate, like it would potentially cost if we have to pay for benefits and like, we'll just figure that out which we've been able to do, but certainly it's more expensive. And it's also like the coverage is just not as good. Google has very, very good benefits. But on the other hand, with Huron Pines now, I've we've had conversations about this. And like now we're looking into other insurance options and trying to figure out like how to bring better healthcare benefits to the staff. So part of it is finding a place to land where you can also try to either affect some change or feel like you have some security still, I think. One last question about this before we talk about some of the things you've you've learned. Having now spent some time in that nonprofit world that seems very much cause-based, have you found that it has provided you with that kind of meaning in your career that you were seeking when you when you made the move? I'm much more like intrinsically motivated, which is also part of why like the salary and all that stuff is nice. But you know, ultimately, like I just want to feel like I'm doing a good job and I want to be a hardworking person that can like show something for the work that I've done. So it's really nice to know that like even if I'm having a month where I'm really busy and I feel stressed out and I'm working extra hours that I'm doing that for a bigger cause than just my own benefit or some like marketing deadline. And I think that really helps justify the time that I'm putting in because I think I I would sort of have that mentality regardless of what the job was. (laughs) Like Uh once I get involved in something, I get really involved. And I was aware enough of that to know that like whatever the next job I had, that I was going to need to really care about it or else I was going to fall into that trap of spending all my time on something and then kind of walking away and thinking like, in 10 years, is anyone going to care about this? And I, I feel like in 10 years, yes, like people are going to care that we have protected forests and places for people to have recreational access. Like those things actually really do matter. So it justifies the like amount of you know time and effort that I put into it, which does feel a lot more satisfying. Before we wrap up, I'd also like to talk about some of the things that you've learned along the way of your career journey. And one of the things that we spoke about before doing this recording was you mentioned a sense of relief when you chose to finally move from Google out to uh, your current role there here on Pines and also from Ann Arbor to a more rural setting. Can you just explain what that relief was about or what you meant by that? For so long, it just seemed like I'm in the best job that exists. So like, how could I be unhappy here? And I kept kind of feeling like it was my fault. Like there's got, I've got to just like be more gracious and appreciate this job more or something because like, why am I not liking this? So when we finally made the move and I started at Huron Pines and I was really excited about the work that I was doing and I had more responsibility and and I had more autonomy, it just all really clicked like, no, like that was just the wrong fit for me. This is a job that I want to be doing and that made all the difference in the world. So that I think was like kind of the biggest lesson of the whole thing is like, I should have trusted my gut sooner and that it's okay to walk away from something, even if 
everybody else kind of thinks you're crazy. Like you have to do what is the right thing for you. And as soon as I did that, that was the relief was like, everything didn't come crashing down around me. I was actually much more satisfied and much happier. And that felt amazing. Having made this move from for-profit to non-profit, is there something you now know about making this transition that you wished you had known before? I think what I wish I had known was that it was okay to take a risk. And that if you are trusting your gut and thinking things through and making informed decisions, that you're going to end up in an okay place. Like, I think I was afraid for so long, like, well, what if I leave and I'm just thinking the grass is greener on the other side and I get a different job and I realize I've made a horrible mistake. And I think for a long time, that kept me from leaving. I don't know that what someone could have said to me, but I wish I had, you know, had had a crystal ball and could see like, just because this is a, a nice setup doesn't mean it's the end all be all of jobs and that you should trust that what feels right for you is, is going to make you happier in the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's so hard to trust your gut when everything on paper seems like you should be happy with what you have. Right. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're making such an important point here that you sometimes just have to trust your intuition in spite of the fact that everyone else might think, and even you might think that, wow, this is probably as good as it's going to get. Finally, what have you learned about yourself having moved from Ann Arbor to Grayling, going from a more urban environment to more rural environment? The good thing is that I think it validated a lot of things that I suspected, that having autonomy in my work, making an impact, spending more time with the people that I love, with my family, with my friends, that that's way more valuable to me than money could ever be. I always assumed that, but it was hard. Like I never tested it, you know? So it was easy for me to think, I don't really care about all this extra stuff that I'm getting because I work at Google, what I want are to have like a job where I, that I feel good about when I come home and to be able to spend time with my family and have a life that I feel happy about outside of work. But now that I've kind of put my money where my mouth is, it's been a good thing that the experiment worked out in my favor. Um, but I think that is like the, kind of the biggest thing I learned is that like the, what I suspected was true and I'm a lot happier for it. And it doesn't really like make any difference to me. Like my ego isn't fueled by how much money I'm making. It's really more about what am I spending my time on? And I feel better about what I'm spending my time on now. Great. Well, before we go, I can't let you go without talking a little bit about some of your work there at Huron Pines. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about one of your initiatives there, which is the Hubbard Lake Nature Preserve opening this summer. Yeah. So we were extremely lucky last at the end of last summer. Um, we had a couple donate a property to us on Hubbard Lake, which is on the northeast side of Michigan. It's not too far from Lake Huron. Um, it's an 80-acre property. It's got two miles of trails. It's got a couple buildings on the property that we hope to use for classrooms and um, community programming. It will be our first nature preserve. So this summer, we're going to start opening to the public for daily recreational use so people can come out and and hike and bird watch and do that kind of stuff out there. And then we're also launching an event series. So once a month, we will have different 
things from, you know, environmental ed kind of nature walks for families to workshops on how to get rid of invasive species. Um, we're going to do a run and a yoga class out there. We're going to do an art class. We've got a ton of stuff going on. So I'm super excited about that because it's just like a, a whole new opportunity for Huron Pines. And I think for people to get out and experience nature. So we're all really excited for people to start using it this summer. Very cool. Well, if people want to support environmental education or learn more about the nature preserve, where can they go? So our website is huronpines.org. If you're interested specifically in the nature preserve, it's just huronpines.org slash Hubbard lake. But just to learn more about what we do, um, you can just go to our website. All right. Well, thank you so much, Colby, for telling us more about your career choices and how you thought through prioritizing what mattered the most to you. And most importantly, trusting your gut when making these kinds of really important professional decisions. So best of luck with your role there at Huron Pines, your life in Grayling and the Hubbard Lake Nature Preserve. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I hope you got some useful perspectives from Colby about walking away from a comfortable job, trusting your own instincts, and making some brave trade-offs to create the career you want. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to share how my ideas around sources of validation have changed over time. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I just wanted to thank A2 Hosting for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. A2 is the web host provider I use and trust for my own websites. They even offer 100% carbon neutral green hosting. For an easy, fast, and affordable way to get your personal website online today, visit careerrelaunch.net slash A2 to get 50% off your web hosting plan. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. For today's Mental Fuel, I want to pick up on one of the topics Colby touched on about validation, how she felt like she was very defined by her job during her days at Google, which is completely understandable when you're at such a well-known brand name company. And she went on to say that she eventually realized she had a chance to look toward other sources of validation outside of work. And that got me thinking about this concept of external validation, why it's so important where I find validation and how my sources of validation have evolved over time. So to start, I think validation is so important to so many people because it really does help justify, affirm, and allow us to feel good about the decisions, investments, and sacrifices we've chosen to make. Going back to my days studying psychology and personality development in college, I still remember that validation is a really powerful, important, motivating force in most humans' lives because it feeds directly into self-actualization, which is at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where in a nutshell, you feel like you're achieving your full potential. Now, validation can be internally driven by your own feelings about yourself and or externally driven by the judgments friends, families, colleagues, or anyone you know in general have about you. And I actually think internal and external validation are both important. Even though we talk a lot on this show and even during this episode about how you need to ignore what others think and instead focus on what matters to you, validation driven by others does count for something, even for the most confident of people out there. And as much as I'd like to say that I don't care about what others think, to be honest, I do. At least a certain amount of external validation matters to me. 
And so I thought I'd just get really transparent here and share where I've looked for validation in my own career and life and also how my views on validation have changed over time. And I'll break this into three chapters, my childhood through college, my early career, and my most recent shift into the world of self-employment. So going back to my childhood, I'd say the two places I sought the most validation were from parents and friends. For me, the friends piece probably wasn't all that distinct from the average kid where you're just trying to figure out where you fit in and you're gravitating toward other kids who share the same interests and social styles as you. I've always been someone who didn't tend to have a lot of friends, but rather a few close friends. And looking back on it, I feel really lucky to have had good friends throughout my life. Even though some are no longer in my life, even those whom I was pretty close to early on. I also feel lucky to have had really supportive parents. And at the same time, as the son of two immigrant parents who gave up a lot for me to grow up in the U.S., I, of course, wanted them to be proud of my choices, including my initial choice to pursue a career in medicine, which, as you've probably already heard in earlier episodes, I chose to walk away from later on. Which then takes me to where I sought validation from in my early career, which was very much from my actual job itself. Not only feeling energized and engaged with my work, but especially working in roles for brands or for companies that I felt were well-recognized and reputable. Part of that was just practical resume and skill building, but part of it was driven by external perceptions of others. This is where, in reality, external validation really did matter to me, especially because I'd changed careers and I was trying to build some credibility. So working for a well-known company was a priority for me, and this drove me to work for reputable companies like Clorox or General Mills, which in some ways enabled me to kind of walk into a room with my head held high. And similar to Colby when she left Google, also made it really tough for me to walk away from those companies. Which brings me to the present day, where I'm now self-employed, and I've got to admit that as much as I love running my own business, especially the freedom and control it gives me, and even though I'm now six years into it, with my business growing consistently, I still think I wrestle with feeling fully validated. And I'll tell you why I know that, because I actually have dreams all the time. And I'm talking about actual dreams at night where I've decided to return to working as a marketer in the corporate world. Just ask my wife and she'll tell you, I wake up pretty regularly saying, I've just had another dream of returning to the corporate world. Just yesterday, I had a dream where I'd been recruited to work on a rebranding initiative for Patagonia, which felt cool, but also kind of filled me with dread because I realized I wasn't going to be able to spend as much time with my daughter or my wife or to be able to have as flexible of a lifestyle. And every one of my corporate dreams is like this, where my reputation is suddenly getting re-elevated again because I'm working for a big name brand, but deep down, I'm feeling really conflicted about it because I'm losing the lifestyle I've come to love so much as a business owner. Which brings me to where I now seek validation from these days. And I think it comes from three places. First, it actually does come from professional momentum. 
in terms of the speaking opportunities that come my way, the impact I'm having on my clients and the growth of my business. These things are really important to me. And without them, I do think I'd question whether I'm on the right career path. Second, how I'm feeling. And this may seem a little touchy-feely, but increasingly, I'm trying to pay attention to whether or not my overall mood is good or bad. Because ultimately, it's important to feel good each and every day, not only physically, but emotionally. And finally, I definitely care about whether my wife and daughter are happy with how I'm being and what I'm doing. And I do, even in my 40s, check in with some trusted friends, including a few who have been part of my life since my teens and 20s, whenever I'm questioning whether I'm still on the right track. So for me, my validation is a blend of both internal and external validators. And this mix feels right for me in this particular chapter of my career and life. I do think it's important to just be really honest with yourself about exactly how you gauge whether you're on the right track and where you're consciously or subconsciously seeking validation for the choices you've made. It can be tough to admit that you still need validation from others. I do hope that you always try to remember that what you think about your own choices should be part of the equation at all times. But I actually don't think there's anything wrong with trying to fill this very natural need to be seen respectfully in the eyes of others, especially in the context of your career where reputation and external perceptions are definitely a factor. This brings me to a quote from the author L.R. Nost. To need to be seen, to be heard, to be understood is simply to be human. So my challenge to you is to think about where you seek validation from. How much of your own sense of validation comes from within? How much of it comes from others? And are you happy with this blend? Take a moment and jot down what makes you feel good about the choices you're making in your career and life. Decide if those sources of validation feel right. If they are, great. Use them as a guide and touchstone whenever you're wondering if you're really on the right track. But if they're not right, make a choice today to adjust them. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help others discover this show, I'd really appreciate you leaving a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts or recording a voicemail to me with your feedback and thoughts at careerrelaunch.net slash 63, where you can also find a summary of all the key concepts from today's conversation with Colby. And if you want, learn more about that Hubbard Lake Nature Preserve, which is now officially open. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 63. In our next episode of Career Relaunch, we're heading over to Austin, Texas, where I'll be speaking with a former retail professional turned baby sleep consultant. We're going to talk about transitioning from the corporate world into self-employment and the balance between planning and doing. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a special thank you today to Colby Chilcote for sharing her honest story with us today from Grayling, Michigan. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.